the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Peter knew that Jesus Christ was the rock, the foundation, not him. Do you think Peter was silly enough to believe that these references, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious stone, he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. The stone which the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Do you think Peter, who said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, do you think Peter believed that this was him? That the scriptures were prophetic because of a fisherman from Galilee? No. Nobody believed it then. Everybody who heard that, and Peter especially knew that he was talking about Christ himself, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's the rock. And Peter says it here, he's the living stone, not Peter. This is Verse by Verse with our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. So here's a thought we're going to get into on today's program. God wants our praise. Now you may be thinking, oh, God is pleased when I just simply praise him? Yes, yes, he is. Ah, then, but what is praise? Well, praise doesn't mean that you go around all the time saying, praise the Lord. One example is David in the book of Psalms. He said, God is gracious. God has been good and gracious to Israel. God delivered us out of Egypt. God brought us to this land. God fed us. God took care of us. So why did David praise? He praised God for his faithfulness. We give praise to God for who he is and what he's done. And not just a loose, praise the Lord. So with that in mind, let's get back into our study of 1 Peter. Since Christ is the living stone and the foundation stone of the church, and we're one with him because Peter says that you've been born again by the word, you've been made one with him, or you have been a partaker of the divine nature, we become living stones. Look at verse 5. And you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. This temple, as we said, isn't like the one at Jerusalem. The one at Jerusalem was made up of physical materials. This is spiritual. We are a spiritual people, not a physical people. We haven't been promised like Israel in the Old Testament for physical blessings, material blessings. If God gives that to you, fine. We've been promised and told we have all spiritual blessings. We are a spiritual people, not physical. This temple is not like the one in Jerusalem. This temple is made up of redeemed souls. For you were not redeemed, Peter says, with things like gold and silver, but you were redeemed, rather. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Redeemed souls, we're the temple. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We cannot deal with this passage without dealing with this. 
Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, what are the people around you saying? I want to get your feelings. Of course, he knew, but he wanted them to say. And they said, some say John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. By the way, we get some insight into that. This has nothing to do with this thing that we're dealing with First Peter. But it does give us insight of how Jesus conducted himself. If they were saying he was like John the Baptist and Elijah, obviously he had to act rugged and he had to be very bold and very stern and very strong. But Jeremiah wasn't like that. Jeremiah was tender. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. You put it together and you'll see that the picture that Jesus portrayed was tough and tender. But that's a little insight. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? What's your opinion? Who are you saying it? And Simon Peter, this is the same Peter that's writing years later. He learned his lesson here. The Roman Catholic Church hasn't figured it out yet, but Peter knows and knew. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Son of Jonah, it means. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. In other words, Simon, you didn't just get this out of the air. It was revealed to you. You didn't just figure it out. And Jesus said that my father who's in heaven has revealed this. And I also say to you that you are Peter. You are a rock. You are a stone. And upon this rock, you're a little stone, but upon this major rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Now the Roman Catholic Church, and we're not really going to deal with that so much, has tried to say that the rock is Peter, and that this shows that Peter was the first pope, and therefore that is their validity for pope and the succession of popes and so forth. Now you can prove it, and we're not going to do it tonight, but you can prove it from Matthew 16 that that is not true. You can prove it from the Greek very easily. But even if you didn't have that, First Peter tells us that Peter didn't believe that. Peter knew that Jesus Christ was the rock, the foundation, not him. Do you think Peter was silly enough to believe that these references, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious stone. He who believes in him shall not be disappointed. The stone which the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Do you think Peter, who said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, do you think Peter believed that this was him? That the scriptures were prophetic because of a fisherman from Galilee? No. Nobody believed it then. Everybody who heard that, and Peter especially knew that he was talking about Christ himself, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's the rock. And Peter says it here, he's the living stone, not Peter. Obviously, if the Roman Catholic Church, if they don't know it, obviously Peter knows it, and he's writing under the inspiration of God, and that's all we're concerned about. He goes on to say in verse 5, a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Every believer is a priest. The Reformation brought this back. Martin Luther and the Reformers rediscovered this truth. We are priests. We have direct access to God. We don't go through anybody else except the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But when you accept him, you have direct access to the Father. We are a kingdom of priests. There's no longer any priests. It really is interesting how this ties in this whole thing with the Roman Catholic era. 
And yet Peter is explaining everything they really need to know if they would just study the scripture and see what God has said. We're priests, priesthood of every believer. Not only, and we studied in 1 Corinthians, are you a saint? You're a priest. You're really getting to be something special. We're a temple and we're the priests in the temple. And he says that we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, ask yourself, what is a spiritual sacrifice? Nowhere in this passage of scripture does it say that, but the rest of the word of God tells us. While you're turning to Hebrews chapter 13, let me tell you one spiritual sacrifice that we are and we can be. Romans chapter 12, God says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. How are we a sacrifice? Our body, we are sacrifices to God, which is your spiritual worship to him. We are the sacrifices, our bodies. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. God wants our praise. You may sit there and think, do you mean that God is pleased when I simply praise him? Yes. And you know what praise means? Praise doesn't mean that you go about all the time saying, praise the Lord. I'll never forget when I was a student at Moody, I got in the elevator with this fellow. He's a rather emotional fellow. And I believe his name was Ray. And everything he said to me was, praise the Lord. Everything. And I said, well, Ray, where are you from? And he said, Chicago, praise the Lord. And I thought it was very difficult to praise the Lord for Chicago. But it's right to do that. But everything, you know, that's the concept people have of praising the Lord, always saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. If you study the Psalms, which is where we get the praise of the Lord from, the psalmist always praise God for something God has done or an attribute of God. For instance, when I want to praise my son, I don't go around the house saying, praise Benjamin, praise Benjamin. And he says, I said, praise Benjamin. No, I praise him for something he's done or an attribute, something, a character quality he has. Let's say he's cleaned up his toy room. Benjamin, I want to just tell you, I appreciate that. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Now that's praising my son. That's acknowledging a character quality or something he's accomplished. It's different from flattery. When we flatter somebody that has to do with something they have no part in, such as their looks, their athletic ability, something like that, that is flattery. But praise is an inward quality. And that's what the psalmist means, and that's what the word of God means. Not to loosely say, praise the Lord, but to praise the Lord. David would say, God is gracious, I'm paraphrasing, God has been good and gracious to Israel. God delivered us from Egypt. God brought us to this land. God fed us. God took care of us. And then he'd say, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, why did he pray? He praised God for his faithfulness, God's faithfulness. You praise God for something, not a loose praise the Lord. It's not what God's interested in. But here in verse 15, he says we ought to a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Thanks for what? Thanks for what God has done. You are to be thankful all day long. When you go through those trials, you're to thank him. When you have rough experiences, you're to thank him. When you have great times, you're to thank him. I think it was R.A. Torrey who said the time to be thankful to God is after a great spiritual victory because that's when you're susceptible to Satan's onslaughts. You're to be thankful to God regardless of any situation that happens. Be thankful. Then he says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, there's another way of giving spiritual sacrifice. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. When we do good things and we share, God says that's a spiritual sacrifice. 
So here we see that we're priests in the temple and we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. That's the nature of the church. Why is the church here? To praise God, to offer up sacrifices, to be available to him. That's what the church is here for, not to occupy a place on Sunset Point Road. We're the temple, the priests, the sacrifices. No matter what the world thinks about you or me, this is what we are. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 38, the Bible says that these men of faith were so persecuted, they were sawn in two, some of them, they were killed. And the Bible says these were men of whom the world was not worthy. They're not worthy of you. I don't want to puff your head up or anything, but they're not worthy of you. The world's not worthy of us. Not because of anything we are, because of what God has made us. And that's why we're going to look at verses 9 and 10, the glory of the church. Another truth, the glory of the church The world may look down upon us as aliens, foreigners, strangers. You know what God says in verse 9? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is what God says you are, people of God's own possession. We're valuable not because we're anything in particular, because we're owned by someone who's special. That's where the value is. It seems in our day and age around America, everybody is concentrating on saving America. I trust that God will bring us back to be a nation that loves him. I'm doubtful that we will ever return to that personally because I see in the Bible in the end times, things will get worse and worse, but I don't want to be a prophet of doom. But you know, I don't read that in the word of God that God is preoccupied with saving nations. You know what I see in the word of God? That nations come and go. Not Israel now. But other nations come and go. God wants to further his kingdom. God is not preoccupied in that sense of saving nations. God is preoccupied in furthering his kingdom. We say when we pledge allegiance, one nation under God, we're not a nation under God. The only nation, and this is what Peter says, the only nation under God is really the church. Look what he says in verse 9. A holy nation. The only holy nation under God is not America. Never has been totally, not Great Britain, never has been totally, not African nations that are coming to Christ, not Korea. The only holy nation under God is the church, period. There are holy people within another nation, but this is the nation under God, and this is the people that God is primarily concerned about. We're the people who were once in darkness, and the glory of the church is that by his doing an election, we have become a special people to him We were nothing. We were nobodies. God says, now you're special. Why? Because I've chosen you. Haven't chosen me. I've elected you. I have called you from darkness into light. What did you have before? Nothing. And our purpose is to glorify God. You know, that's the bottom line. When all is said and done, the only reason we're here, and you look at verse 9, is to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Not just proclaim it with your lips, but with your life. Glorify God. That's it. I think it's the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Orthodox Presbyterian Confession of Faith, which says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I believe that. That's what the Word of God teaches. You won't find that in a verse like that, but this is a verse that is close to that. That's what we're to do. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm not trying to get people on a bandwagon about election or only to be unbalanced in my preaching on it, but I want you to see, I'm sure there are some who think that God has chosen us because we have chosen him, but I want you to see God chose us so that we wouldn't get any of the glory. 
You see, if we chose God, then you have something to brag about, don't you? If you had any part in your salvation, as far as choosing, you've got something to really think you're great over. But God says, you proclaim his excellencies and you glorify him because you have nothing. You didn't choose him. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Do you see any place there that we chose him? No. He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Your will wasn't involved in this choice. Verse 6, it's just like what Peter is saying, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Why did he choose us? Why did he save us? To the praise of the glory of his grace. Otherwise, you can brag. Otherwise, it's to the praise of your glory, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Verse 12, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit now, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. You get the point that God is concerned about the praise of his glory. Our purpose is to glorify God. I want to tell you, by way of application, it is sickening to hear Christians give testimonies and bragging about what they've done for the Lord. When that happens, you know what I think? Well, they've got their reward. I know some people, and they're not in this church, so I can say that, but I know people in particular, and I've met others, who only want to tell you their accomplishments, only want to tell you what they've done and how great they are. They've got their reward. And that just sickens me because God isn't brought into the picture. They've done this and they've done that. I remember one of the awkward moments of life. I've had a few, and I'm sure you have too. A number of years ago when I sit before this menacing-looking ordination council, They didn't look very friendly. You cannot realize it unless you sit in a room like that and have to look at grim faces. It's very frightening. It's intimidating. And I remember one pastor from another church said to me, he said, Steve, are you a soul winner? Now, you realize any way I responded, I was stuck. If I said yes, then I was bragging. If I said no, then he'd say, why not? So uh, I thought later I should have said, because this probably would have been sufficient, well, outside of the Apostle Paul, I'm second, but I didn't say that. That would have been bragging, and I don't believe that. I'm just saying that any answer I would have given, I would have been stuck and paused for a moment. I didn't know what to say, and one of the pastors of this church came to my rescue and helped me. I want to read to you something that this comes from the world. This is by an unsaved man who's a real estate agent. I'll not mention his name. He is not a believer, but he comes to our house in Safety Harbor. He comes and he delivers notes like this to show us how great a salesman he is so that if we ever want to sell our house, he'd be more than happy to take care of it. I'll use the name of the family. He quotes, I'll say the Jones to protect the innocent. Let me say the Smiths. That's easier to say than the Joneses. Okay, the Smiths. He says, have you heard about my latest sale in Harbor Heights? If not, I'll be delighted to tell you about it as if you really have a choice. The Smiths of such and such a street said that they needed a speedy sale. They told me that they felt I was the best agent for the job. How right they were. I got that house sold for them in less than two weeks. Two weeks is underlined. I might add that I personally made the sale for them. I also got their price for them, which was nothing to sneeze about. 
I wouldn't sneeze about it anyway. I was so happy for the Smiths when, after the closing, they took off in their motor home for Oregon. They left Safety Harbor with a good taste, underlined, in their mouths as they carried on to Oregon to meet their destiny out there. I also felt pretty good for myself, as I told them I would get it done, underlined, for them, and I did. May I be of service to you? Signed, such and such. Now, I can't blame him for saying that because he's unsaved. But I hear some things like that from Christians. It's like I meet people, and I've said this before, you get the idea they wrote the book, Humility and How I Attained It. They've just got to tell you all their accomplishments. It's so much pride. Don't share with people your accomplishments unless it's to give God the glory. And there are times you can share how God has used you. But don't share in the spirit of, look how great I am. This last week, I was listening to a tape of another pastor, a very good Bible teacher, and I felt so inadequate. I told one of our elders, I said, you know, I just listened to this tape. I feel so inadequate. And this elder, being a wise man, looked at me and said, that's because you are inadequate. I thought, oh, I forgot about that. And that settled everything and put it in perspective. Of course I'm inadequate. Why shouldn't I feel that way? I am. And you are too, so don't laugh. You're inadequate. We're nothing. We're inadequate. And God says that we are to praise him. We're to give glory to him. And the Christian church needs to get off its pedestal and realize that the foundation is Christ. The glory of the church is Christ. Everything is Christ. One Bible teacher defines pride. Pride is taking credit for what God and others have done for you and through you. Isn't that good? There's nothing that we have. The gifts we have, the abilities we have, it's all of God. God gave you the mouth to share him. God gave you everything. So the glory of the church is that we're to praise him and proclaim him. Look at verse 10. You once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We've so much to praise him for because why? We were nothing and we are nothing without him. But because we're one with him, now we're something special. Not in and of ourselves, but we're something special because he's made us something special. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He's given us salvation. And we who were headed for hell are now headed for heaven. And we're the people of God. That's just exciting. We're the people of God. I had something going for me in the sense that I was part of Israel. But as Gentiles, you know, God says in the rest of the word of God, I think it's in Ephesians, that you were without hope. You had nothing. At least I had a heritage. You had nothing. That ought to cause you to rejoice. And really, Paul says, and I agree with him, I have nothing either apart from Christ. Whatever things were gained to me, I just put them aside. Heritage doesn't do you any good. I just share that to illustrate something. Now, no matter in closing what the world calls you, no matter what they say about you and what they said about these people, no matter what ridicule you take at your job, no matter how much torment you experience, no matter how rough it is, young person at school, when the kids may pick on you because you want to pray and thank God for your food, or you want to take your Bible there, or you witness for him, or maybe you don't do some of the things that they think you should do, no matter what the world calls you, you do have honor. You have dignity because God says this is what you are. You are his temple. You are his priest. You are the spiritual sacrifices that are offered up. Your foundation is Christ, of which you're one with him, and you are his people. You have dignity and honor like nobody else. Maybe they don't treat you like you have that, but because of Christ, you have these things, and you are these things, and that's the cause for rejoicing. Let's pray. Our Father, it's just exciting to study the word of God. Thank you for what we are, what you tell us we are. Thank you that we're now a special people. Thank you, our Father, that we have honor. 
We don't want to consider ourselves special in the sense of being proud, but help us as a people to glorify you. Help us as we work on our jobs, as we share with others, not to try to impress anybody. Jesus laid down his reputation, and we need to also. Help me, I pray, and, and especially the elders, leaders in this church, and the deacons, and all of us. Help us to give you the praise, to give you the glory. Help us not to be deceived like the Corinthians were, as we studied this morning, who thought they were something special. We're not. We are inadequate. But thank you that in our inadequacies, you give us your resources. Dismiss us now with your rich blessing, because we've met with you. Help us to rejoice in this, to ponder these things and meditate upon them, because we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are you? You're God's temple. You are his priests. You are the spiritual sacrifices that are being offered up. Your foundation is Christ, of which you're one with him, and you are his people. Because of Christ, you are these things, and that's the cause for rejoicing. As you have been listening to Verse by Verse today, I hope you've been doing some rejoicing of your own. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff. He's the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have more to learn from 1 Peter in our next broadcast. But in the meantime, let me mention the website, versebyverseradio.org. Surf on over there and check out the Verse by Verse podcast when you have a minute. And please, plan to join us next time for Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.